0: Hello from Classical KUCO. This is Spotlight on the Arts, where we take a moment to talk with local artists, performers, composers, conductors, and leaders on the many special activities and challenges taking place within our community. I'm your host, Paul Nesper. For our January 18th episode, we sit down with Dylan Maddox with the Oklahoma Baroque Orchestra to talk about a couple of upcoming performances this weekend. Next, we'll sit down with Dr. Sergio Montero with the Wanda L. Bass School of Music at Oklahoma City University to have a conversation about the next recital in his ongoing concert series, Brahms at 190. Finally, we sit down with Dr. Tess Remy Schumacher and Dr. David Forbat with the UCO School of Music to discuss their upcoming faculty artist concert series recital at the Jazz Lab. As we like to say, let's put a spotlight on the arts here in Oklahoma. Please stay with us.
1: Support for KUCO comes from Armstrong Auditorium, presenting UK-based Beta Guitar Quartet. Thursday, January 25th, performing transcriptions of Vivaldi and Schubert, as well as Leonard Bernstein's West Side Story. Tickets at armstrongauditorium.org.
0: Support for KUCO comes from Stillwater Medical, accepting applications for all positions, medical and non-clinical, including clerical, custodial, and food service. Close to home. More at com. Welcome back to Spotlight. My first guest today is Dylan Maddox with the Oklahoma Baroque Orchestra. He will be presenting... Tavern and Trills this Saturday, January 20th at 8 p.m. at Opolis Prod in Norman. They will also be sharing music with art enthusiasts at the Fred Jones Art Museum this Sunday, January 21st from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. in Norman. Dylan, welcome back to Spotlight.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Well, uh, we're excited to have you. Uh, You have an earth-shakingly good performance lined up uh, coming up this Saturday uh, at 8 p.m. at Opelous Prod in Norman. It's called Tavern and Trills. So there are lots of places uh, that we can start with this, but I want to start with the instrumentation that you guys are going to be utilizing. Yeah. What what all will be presented in this performance?
2: So it's a lot of different instruments for just, you know, I, I think it's five or six of us that are playing. So... As I've talked about on your show before, um, Oklahoma Baroque Orchestra uses all period instruments, meaning that these instruments are replicas of instruments that were built in the time period that the music was composed in. And so we'll, we'll feature Baroque violin, meaning a violin with gut strings and a Baroque bow. She, Chaslin Rook is is this fabulous fiddle player. Um, she's actually at UCO right now for her masters in jazz violin, nice. um, and, and and that's a recurring theme with most of these musicians. Is is not only are they great classical and early music musicians on these instruments, but a lot of them have ec- uh, extensive experience in playing jazz or or rock or blues or, or other types of pop genres as awesome. well. Um, and so Chaslin's also going to be playing. Um, uh, hurdy-gurdy, um, and a hurdy gurdy, and a cool instrument called a nickel harpa, which is Scandinavian. Um, it's kind of like a hurdy gurdy, but it has keys uh, like a hurdy gurdy does, but it's bowed with your uh, right hand. And so she she's going to be switching back and forth. I think I think she'll do some singing as well. And then I, I'm playing recorder, um, like you would have played in in grade school, uh, a flutophone. <laughs> But these are um, made of wood and and are of historical design and and are really beautiful instruments um, I'm playing some really weird reed instruments double reed <laughs> instruments um, called a crumb horn and a corn amuse we also have another um, another wind player who's going to be playing some recorder and perhaps some crumb horn as well Um <laughs> We, we um, Both of us wind players are also keyboardists, so we're going to be switching off on, on playing the harpsichord. Ah, um, nice. and, and then on top of that, we're both singing as well. Um, we have, as we move lower in the, in the timbre and, uh, and pitch, we have a bassist who is going to be playing um, viola da gamba, a six-string cello-like instrument with frets nice. bowed. And then lastly, we have a guitarist that will be playing Baroque guitar, Teorbo, which is this long, long, six-foot-long, lute-like guitar um, instrument, and then also going to be playing Renaissance lute. In addition to those melodic and harmonic instruments, um, we're going to have two percussionists um, playing all sorts of tambourines and um, drums and, and, and all sorts of stuff, so... We, we, we're going to start in the medieval period with this wonderful set of songs um, called Cantigas um, de Santa Maria, Cantigas uh, of Santa Maria, uh, St. Mary, and these were composed by Alfonso the Wise. Um, we're we're, we're going to be going through the medieval into the Renaissance and, and then into the Baroque with a lot of these um, English country dancing tunes. Um, they're very rustic and, um, barnyard-esque <laughs> in, in many ways. You can really picture yourself, uh, dancing to these fiddle tunes and, and having a good time. And so the, the music is, is while old and, and being played on old style instruments, it's very casual and, um, and very fun to come and jam to, um, if people were able to come to our last um, concert of this style at the fifty first street speakeasy back in may they will know that that we we just had some nice food and and some some beer and and drinks and and everyone it, it was a it was standing room only full house nice. um but everyone had a great time and and were hooting and hollering <laughs> um and, and on top of that uh, in addition to the old stuff we try to bring in some new stuff too and so we we perform uh, Dolly Parton's Jolene, we we do Lady Gaga's Bad Romance, and and we do some other um, popular tunes in addition to the old ones, but we do them in, in a in a baroque style. Um, so so this is really something unique. Um, there there aren't a whole lot of groups in the U.S., um, some in Europe that that are doing stuff like this, but it's a really unique experience. Um, to, to get to participate in this sort of music making
0: now the cool part about this too is that this is you're you're playing this music in the setting effectively that it was intended for like this is music that would have been played at your local tavern or speakeasy centuries
2: ago correct yeah I- exactly um, th- this music was was really meant for this casual consumption either in the home or at a bar or at a Family get together in the on the barnyard, you know, around the campfire. You know these these songs. Um, some are sung, some some are just instrumental, but but they're all very much dancing tunes. And, and many of the songs, as you'll find, are are, are fairly raunchy. <laughs> um, and, and the primary sources when you go back to this, it's, it's actually really funny. Um, Maybe this will make it into the long pon- podcast version, <laughs> but um, but but these Playford tunes. What what would happen is they would print these newspapers in, in the um, 17th century, and they would have the lyrics to the song printed, and they might have a little um, wood carving that was you know stamped into the, each newsprint um, that was a little carving that depicted the story that the lyrics um, lyrics were written to, and so. Then at the bottom, it would just say, sung to the tune of. And so these tunes that we're going to be playing were so popular that they were printed in the newspaper, not with the actual printed music, but just everyone knew the tune. It would be like saying, you know, to the tune of Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, or, you know, one of these hymns, or to the tune of The Star-Spangled Banner, you know, a, a tune that we're all just so culturally familiar with that it's embedded in our own being. Wouldn't that be awesome if we had something like that today where we could just
0: all sing along together? But that's besides the point, I suppose. So since this is kind of about the same time as, as Shakespeare, I'm assuming like Shakespeare, at one reading level of the of the lyrics or text, it's you know okay, you, you kind of see what it is, but you start examining it a little bit more deeply, it's like, oh, that's a little bit body and inappropriate.
2: Really, when you dig into Shakespeare, he has a lot of little naughty things um, <laughs> that, that when you when you go, oh, I get that. That's hilarious. And, and, it, and what it does, what most importantly it does, is it connects us with the past. It shows that, you know, we see these por- great portraits uh, or, or great paintings of these great men or or even depicting everyday life. And, and everything looks so different that it's hard to imagine that these people thought the same way that we do. It seems like they're on a different planet in, in some ways. But really, um, it shows that we're all human it shows how human we've always been, and how universal the human condition really is. And, and that's what's so fun about it is that we're connecting to the way that these people were having fun, you know, 300 years ago or 600 years ago in the case of some of these medieval tunes. So.
0: It's really, it's really fascinating that you say that because I really do view music as, as sort of like. Traveling through time, and you know, just getting to hear the stories and/or the 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 uh, reasonings behind why, behind why certain pieces or works were written, and it's it's just so fascinating. And to your point, yeah, I mean, these are just normal everyday people. They would, you know, they would go to their job, and then they would, you know, want to you know hang out or relax afterwards. And it's not all that different than if you work a nine to five, and yet you, you, you stop off and grab a drink and an appetizer and catch up with an old friend. It's it's basically the exact same thing, just. Three to 600 years earlier. Exactly.
2: So, you know, c- come by the Opolis on Saturday. After, uh, well, I guess not after work, but <laughs> but bring a friend and catch up and, and, and have a good time because it's, it's, it's going to be a, a perfect, perfect setting for something like that.
0: And it's a busy weekend because you don't just have the performance on Saturday. You have another one on Sunday.
2: That's right. That's right. So, so we played um, several months ago for the Fred Jones Art Museum when they opened up their exhibit, The Treasures of Tuscany. These are pieces of art that come from Arezzo, and I—I I, I might be wrong about this, but I—I'm pretty certain that I—I I was told that this is the first time most all of this collection has ever left Italy. Nice. Um, so, so it's a really cool exhibit, and and it was lovely of Fred Jones to ask us to play music to highlight um, the art, and and so. W- we had such a great time and, and we're so thankful that they asked us to come back and, and, and do that again. And so, um, on Sunday, uh, 1 30 to three 30, we will be celebrating the closing of the exhibit by, by playing some music to enhance, um, and complement the, uh, treasures of Tuscany.
0: That's outstanding. When I, uh, when I was a student at, uh, OU, uh, my, uh, Tuba Quartet and my brass quintet got to do a couple performances at the Fred Jones Art Museum. It's it's a really cool setting to be able to perform in.
2: It really is. It really is. And and, and their curation um, is is wonderful. And, and I can't uh, speak more highly of the of that museum as a whole. So that's outstanding.
0: Now I know you have a few performances later in the spring. Do we want to highlight those so we can get those on the calendar?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's going to be really exciting. Our first performance. Our our first series uh concert coming up I- is going to be March 2nd. That'll be at St. Paul's Episcopal Cathedral at 8 o'clock. We- we're going to be performing the music uh, in the court of Frederick the Great. Nice. Um, so I've alluded to the wonderful painting that you guys have hung on the wall in your <laughs> studio depicting Frederick the Great and many of the composers that we will be playing in this lovely painting, um, the difference is that you guys have added all sorts of recording <laughs> equipment to the to the um, to the poster, um, and, and in a way, that's so emblematic of what early music is. You know, it, it is um, certainly postmodern. It, there, there's there's no other time in history where we've thought about music like this, and so <laughs> I, it is uh, the embodiment of blending the old with the new. Um, Frederick was just this wonderful wonderful monarch who really propelled the arts and the humanities um, and really held up philosophy and in many ways embodied the Enlightenment in his um, reign and in his court. Um, He was close friends with Voltaire and would have him to the court often. And many of the, you know, perhaps one of the largest and and most influential um, courts musically, um, one could argue that perhaps Esterhazy with Haydn um, rivaled that, but I would say that not since the medieval period, late medieval period with Ars Nova or, or, or that sort of movement have we had such a um, force musically in, in the court. Um, Frederick employed a good handful of composers that are lesser known today but are still wonderful. Probably the most well-known is Carl Philipp Emanuel Bach, um, the uh, second eldest son of J.S. Bach. Um, so we're, we're highlighting C.P.E. Bach. We have a fabulous soloist, Dr. Brian Hodges, who is the principal cellist at the Boise Baroque Orchestra nice. and also teaches at um, Boise State University. Um, he's coming in and going to be playing the um, cello concerto in A major by Emanuel Bach. And... Um, we're also highlighting Frederick himself by playing one of his own symphonies that he composed. He was a composer himself and played flute, as is depicted in your, your painting. And his flute teacher was Joachim Quanz. And Quanz was quite influential. If, if, if any flautists are listening, they will go, oh, Quanz. <laughs> that Lovely. Because he wrote a whole treatise on flute playing. He's quite famous in the flute world. We're 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 going to be featuring a flute concerto written by Quantz and um, UCO's flute professor Natalie Siring will be playing with us on a baroque flute, um, and to combine these two soloists, Telemann, who was operating out of Hamburg and had a close relationship with um, Emanuel Bach, wrote a triple concerto for violin, flute, and cello. Nice. So we're also playing. Um, the, this triple concerto and our, our lovely concert master uh, Francis Liu, who is a Juilliard-trained, New York-based Baroque violinist, um, will be playing the violin uh, solo part for, for that piece. So it's, it's really a lovely concert that, that blends the soloists together and highlights them on their own, while highlighting the wonderful composers in Frederick's milieu. Later in um, the spring, we have an all-Mozart concert. Nice. Um, this will be April 13th at St. Paul's. We'll be doing um, Mozart Symphony No. 29 in a major. John Edwards, who is a wonderful organist, but also a terrific flautist, um, the organist at First Presbyterian Church, um, he will be playing the Mozart um, D Major Flute Concerto. And then, once again, our, our lovely concertmaster, Francis Liu, will be playing the Mozart um, G Major Violin Concerto. And, and this will be really special because we're, we're moving into the, the classical period and things start changing a little bit as far as instrumentation. So we'll have period horns and period oboes in addition to the um, period strings. No valves. That's right. No valves. All done with the lips. Get those crooks out. That's right. That's right.
0: (laughs) Now, Where can our classical KUCO listeners go to learn more about the ensemble
2: and any upcoming performance you all have? So uh, the best place is to go to our website, okbaroque.org. We also are very active on Facebook. That is facebook.com forward slash okbaroque. And then also instagram.com forward slash okbaroque. Um, we periodically post um, videos, um, sometimes whole concerts, sometimes um, highlights from concerts on our YouTube, and that's YouTube.com forward slash OK Baroque. And we're Consistent. findable at a, <laughs> that's right, um, and, and we're we're very findable at Oklahoma Baroque Orchestra.
0: That's awesome. Is there anything you'd like to leave our classical KUCO listeners with before we part our ways today?
2: Well, just thank you so much again for having me, and I look forward to seeing all the listeners at our upcoming performances.
0: Well, it sounds like you've got a busy, it's just going to be a busy semester. You're a busy, you're a busy cat in general, so <laughs> we appreciate you taking some time today and, and coming out in the studios and talking with us. Dylan, thank you so much for joining us today on Spotlight. Thanks again. Coming up next, Dr. Sergio Montero with the Wanda L. Bass School of Music at Oklahoma City University. Please stay with us. Support for KUCO comes from Oklahoma Securities Department, recommending the designation of a trusted contact person
3: who is authorized to be called by a financial institution seeking to address fraud or exploitation concerns. More at
0: investedok.org or 405-280-7700. Support the Arts with the University of Central Oklahoma Central Arts Card. As a cardholder, your $50 donation supports arts programs at Central and grants discounts at partner organizations. Learn more at go.uco.edu/cac. Welcome back to Spotlight. My next guest is Dr. Sergio Montero with the Wanda L. Bass School of Music at Oklahoma City University. This Sunday, January 21st at 2 p.m. at Petrie Recital Hall, Dr. Montero will be presenting his next recital in a year-long concert series celebrating Brahms at 190. Sergio, welcome to Spotlight. Thank
4: you so much for having me here.
0: Well, we're excited to have you uh, on the show again. We are... Here to talk about your upcoming recital. It's a continuation of your Brahms at 190 cycle. It's going to be happening on Sunday, January the 21st, at 2 p.m. at Petrie Recital Hall. We're going to be featuring the works Scherzo Opus 4, Klavierstück Opus 76, and the Schumann Variations Opus 9. So, looks like we have a nice combination of some earlier works and some a later work. Was that by design?
4: Yeah, exactly. Uh I'm I'm very happy. It's very interesting when you when you start putting these programs together. Uh I mean again, it's the I've never I've never played these recitals before. So when I when I was putting this these recitals together, I mean I kind of have an idea of of what would be uh how this music would sound like, but it's interesting like <laughs> the more you perform, the more you make the more you see that those recitals make sense. (laughs) So it is, uh, it's very interesting. I'm very happy to be giving these, particularly these recitals on January 21st. It's very special music, music. That's not much performed, particularly the Opus 76 and the Schumann variations. It's interesting that those, those, I'm putting those two pieces together in the same program and, uh, they're just wonderful pieces, and I'm 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 sure that the audience will enjoy it very much.
0: Now, as a as not as a keyboard player, uh, is there a particular reason why Opus Nine and Opus Seventy Six aren't as uh, popular
4: or performed as much? You know what? <laughs> Sometimes I think it's because they're too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate that. Um, yes. So the Schumann variations. Uh, It's a very special piece, you know, like Brahms met Schumann in a very, very, I mean, he was very young. He was barely 20 years old. And um, I mean, they became very, very close, very connected. And Schumann became almost like a, became like this mentor figure for Brahms. Well, you know that Schumann had mental problems. And had to go to asylum, mm-hmm. so he spent he spent the last few years of his life in this asylum. And Brahms became connected to the to Schumann's family. Clara Schumann asked Brahms to come to the house and help her because they had eight children. So Brahms helped her with the kids. Well, Schum- uh, Brahms wrote this piece, this set of variations, as a gift for Bra- for Schumann. So he brought this piece to the asylum as a gift for Schumann. And this piece has it's so special. It's almost a piece. It's funny, like this last couple of weeks that I've been performed, I've been thinking about it, it's almost like a piece more to be read than to be listened to because it has so many connections with Schumann's work. Each variation is a homage to one of Schumann's pieces, and has uh, little counterpoint figures, counterpoint melodies that you can you can see. Uh, that's like allusions to uh, Schumann pieces. So it's just a wonderful set of variations. And also, Brahms Brahms tried to create an atmosphere that you can see in Schumann's piece. It's funny, it's something that it's uh, it's very unique. For example, in the scenes of childhood, like these this rem- this rem- remembrance of childhood that it's so natural in Schumann, but it's so hard to imitate and uh, and Brahms tried to create that atmosphere in his in this set of variations. So anyway, it's a it's just a wonderful, wonderful set of variations it's uh I'm being I'm really happy to be performed these pieces actually one of the pieces that I always wanted to perform nice. it's going to be the first time I perform in it oh, and nice. I just hope people are going to like it
0: well uh, that's uh that's a really hey I appreciate your wealth of knowledge especially just uh learning a little bit about the I mean obviously we, a lot of us know about the relationship between Schumann and uh, the Schumanns and Brahms but really appreciate uh some of those details that you share with us and yeah I having having heard you play a few times I I think the audience will will more than likely enjoy this uh this this uh Schumann variations. Now is there something you've learned about Brahms throughout this process that you maybe didn't already know or or maybe the the better way to put this would be: Is there something you've really come to appreciate about Brahms's writing?
4: Yes, I mean something about these projects. I mean, make you it's. I think you you have such a a, a really more broad view of the composer. I mean, these is uh, these somehow started with me with the Naxos projects when mm-hmm. I when I really started learning. More music of one single composer, so this is uh, this project with Brahms. Is uh, is bringing me many like new ways of, of singing the composer. One way, one thing is is his unique treatment of the of the keyboard. I mean, Brahms was a very special pianist. And the way he treated the keyboard was very unique. I don't think that's, in, in some ways, that's why his music is so hard. He has a very, very unique way of treating the, 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 the keyboard. And um, these Opus 76, you, can, you really can see that. It's a very, uh, some, people, some people can consider uh, it awkward, it's almost like unpianistic in menu in some ways, hmm. but it's also fascinated because that's why you can see that's why you can hear the Brahms sound. You 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 hear three four measures of of a piano piece and you recognize it's Brahms because of the way he writes. It's a very unique way of writing music.
0: Yeah, I think you know I, I, I'm. You've, you've done—again, this is not your first uh, uh, foray into into really uh, immersing yourself in the works of a composer. You've done it with Beethoven and uh, Vienna as well. So uh, it's, it's super cool that uh, we have you here in Oklahoma City to be able to present these works and, and share them uh, for us and, and educate us throughout the process. Now, you have other recitals coming up later in this semester— to start getting those on our calendar, would you like to let us know when those upcoming recitals are?
4: Yes, the next one. Okay, so these Brahms series—the first, uh, the last two recitals that I gave uh, were chamber music, which was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next three ones will be solo. So we have these one on January twenty-first, and then February eleventh. I'm going to be playing also solo music and then March second uh on March third, I'll be performing the quintet and a set of songs, so uh we have four more recitals to come
0: I'm in such awe of what you're you're doing and it's it really is impressive, and especially to do two recitals back to back on March second and March third, you know solo and chamber that's 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 just so impressive.
4: Yeah. Well, it's I think the the music is so fascinating it makes things easier.
0: There's that too. I'm I'm really excited for the uh, Paganini Variations Opus 35 on on February 11th. We've we've played that uh, on our morning show uh, about was it 3 weeks ago? It doesn't matter, but uh just so much fun to listen to and just knowing that you're going to be playing in here in about a month it makes it even more exciting. Yeah.
4: Yeah. By the way, that's one of the hardest pieces Brahms ever wrote. This piece was a response to to Liszt Paganini variations. Oh, okay. Um yeah, yeah, it's interesting because every everybody thought that Liszt was the one who could write difficult music and then Brahms <laughs> Brahms come and said, "Okay, I'm going to write something that's hard too." And uh, and uh, the Paganini vari- Brahms Paganini variations is, is supposed to be one of the hardest pieces in the repertoire.
0: Wow, that's crazy. I did not. Uh, I didn't know that there was a little bit of a maybe not rivalry, but just a little bit of a anything you can do, I can do better type moment with that.
4: Yeah, well, it was a lot of rivalry between Liszt and Brahms. It was a it was an interesting moment in music history. Well,
0: and I believe we've talked a little bit about that in some of our previous interviews. You know, more of the older school versus the newer school in, in composition, correct?
4: Yes, exactly. And it's. Uh, and it's 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 interesting because of course Liszt I, I i keep saying Liszt was probably like the most important musical figure of the 19th century and uh, he had just like so many pupils and musicians that he supported so for so many years for decades brahms music was neglected the great pianists of the late 19th century would not perform brahms music and for, it's it's interesting. It's very interesting how how it's very interesting when you see uh, how the, the 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 music of Brahms became part of the regular repertoire of the pianists. Took took a while. It was not. It was not. It, it, it didn't come quick.
0: Yeah, it was one of those situations where the genius wasn't really appreciated until you know a couple decades after they had passed.
4: Yes, exactly. And, and it's, it's interesting because until now, I mean, we still have this prejudice against uh, Brahms' music. We think that Brahms' music is over. is over. It's too intellectual, which, which is not the case. I mean, when we hear like some of his music, we just think that, my gosh, this music comes straight to your heart. But, uh, but some, some, some people we still think that he's, he's way too intellectual. Well, I
0: will be the first to admit that you definitely uh, changed my perspective and gave me a greater appreciation. For Brahms, uh, you know, coming coming on, uh, I forget maybe it was September, uh, uh, whatever whatever that was when you had your first recital, and just you know educating me and just showing me how uh, progressive that Brahms writing really was. It wasn't this kind of what I would have called boring classical music. It's just this highly emotional, impactful music. So no, I I, I, yeah. I definitely think you're you're changing some perspectives because if, if nothing else, you've changed mine. <laughs>
4: Yeah, and this next recital because now I'm going to be performing the variations, uh, so the Schuma variations, the the Paganini and the Brahms variations, uh, will be interesting to be to be comparing those larger pieces with the smaller pieces uh, of the of the of the Opus seventy six and of and also of the the scherzo. So it will be interesting to to compare those the 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 both forms. Of music,
0: absolutely, and yeah, it's a very well balanced program in, in that perspective. Now, all of the uh, recitals, so this one on the twenty first, and then the future recitals on February eleventh, March second, and March third, they will be at two p.m. Correct?
4: Exactly. They are always at two p.m. in Pietry, yeah. and they are all Sundays, with the exception of March second. That's uh, that's going to be a Saturday.
0: Excellent, excellent. And so
4: you can go to church, and then. <laughs> Praise the Lord, and then praise Brahms.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Or if you're like a church musician, you got time, just enough time to grab lunch and head over and hear some some outstanding music. And then this is a—these are all ticket events, correct?
4: Exactly. So they're $20.
0: And is there a website that we can direct our classical KUCO listeners to go to where they can uh, look up those tickets?
4: Yeah, it's okcu.edu slash tickets— or you can call 405-208-5227. Excellent. Well, is
0: there anything you'd like to leave our classical KUCO listeners with before we part for the day?
4: Well, I'd like to thank you so much, Paul, for giving me this opportunity of sharing my thoughts about these recitals to your listeners. And I would like to thank, to thank a lot the support of everybody who, who is coming to this to these concerts. I'd be very happy.
0: Well, like I said, you have absolutely enlightened me and educated me, and I very much appreciate you for that. So, Sergio, thank you so much for joining us today on Spotlight.
4: Thank you so much.
0: Coming up next, Dr. Tess Remy Schumacher and Dr. David Forbat with the University of Central Oklahoma School of Music. Please stay with us. Support for KUCO comes from the Oklahoma City Community Foundation, helping individuals, families, and nonprofit organizations create charitable funds to benefit the community, both now and in the future. Learn more, including ways to support, at OCCF.org.
1: from Lyric Theatre of Oklahoma, celebrating more than 60 years producing classic and contemporary musicals and plays created by artists from Oklahoma and across the nation. More at lyrictheaterokc.org
0: Welcome back to Spotlight. My next guests are Dr. Tess Remy Schumacher and Dr. David Forbat with the University of Central Oklahoma School of Music. They will be presenting a faculty artist concert series recital titled Remembrance and Renewal this Sunday, January 21st at 5 p.m. at the UCO Jazz Lab in Edmond. David, Tess, welcome back to Spotlight.
1: Thank you for having us, Paul. so nice to be back.
3: Great to be here.
0: Well, uh, we are familiar with the two of you, and now we get to have the both of you together because you are performing a faculty artist concert series recital this Sunday, January 21st at 5 p.m. at the UCO Jazz Lab in Edmond. It's titled Remembrance and Renewal. So first thing I wanted to ask you guys, is this your first collaboration together on a FAX recital?
1: Uh, actually, we have uh, performed together before as part uh, of the Piano Faculty Artist Concert Series. In That's the past, right. And uh, actually, we have also collaborated for many other community events. And I really love playing with uh, uh, Dr. Forbart because he's an amazing pianist and also an amazing person to work and collaborate with. So I'm really, really excited about this concert this Sunday.
0: Now you get to say something nice
3: about Tesla. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's I'm just trying to recover from what she just said. She's too kind, absolutely too kind. But yes, uh, it is a, a pleasure to put together a full program, and uh, and actually we have plans to take it a little bit on the road too. Um, to, nice. Where are we going?
1: Yes, I'm very excited uh, that we are going to perform uh, this program in Germany and a few places in Bavaria, really nice places and some historic sites. And uh, I know everybody there is already very excited, so the Oklahoma audience gets to hear a very special preview. Nice. So, uh, yeah, so we have lots to prepare for.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That you do, that you do. And it uh, it is quite the program. Now, it looks like we have a Bach cello sonata on the program, but besides that, Just about everything is from like the mid to late 19th century through the current day with numerous premieres happening, uh, including one from friend of the program and frequent guest, Dr. Zachary Daniels. I, I assume this was by design. So how does that all fit in with the theme of remembrance and renewal?
1: Well, I always had the wish to create a program of my old and my new favorites, And uh, the title is actually um, uh, taken from one of uh, the contemporary pieces, a commissioned uh, piece uh, by Adam Barry. And uh, the story, uh, the background story about this piece was uh, Adam and I, we talked about uh, phases of loss. Uh, uh, I lost many family members recently and how to... Uh, treasure the memories of the lost ones, but at the same time also find a way to create kind of a new position in life, um, which is some kind of a renewal. And uh, after these conversations, Adam actually composed a piece based on these topics. And I thought this would be a really good uh, title for a program uh, because it also ties in Remembrance, like the memory of old pieces, I always love to play and still love to play, but also renewal to open up uh, um, the opportunity for the audience to listen to really beautiful contemporary pieces. And uh, we have uh, fantastic uh, contemporary composers, uh, Dr. Zach Daniels, uh, you already mentioned. We worked together last year um, uh, with the community, uh, orchestra in Oklahoma City, and I know he was a fantastic uh, conductor, but I also found out he is a really spectacular composer, and he oh, yeah. mentioned that he had just written a piece for his son Oliver, a lullaby, <laughs> and uh, so this is actually part of the program, and uh, other composers include uh, Michael Hopper, Kit Wakeley, Douglas Niehans, Adam Berry. I mentioned already, and uh, yeah, so I'm very, very excited about this program.
0: And David, we have a work programmed by you on this program as well.
3: Yes, I don't usually come out as a composer, <laughs> uh, but I, I'm an improvisationalist for sure. And when I sit down at a piano, I like to just play whatever's in my mind. And uh, this particular composition is a very varia- set of variations that it, it does it does stand as a composition because I did. Carefully write out each note and and think about it further than an improvisation. But it's uh, a Hebrew tune uh, called Yigdal, which has been around for centuries. And in probably the 18th century, around Beethoven's time uh, when he was born, about 1770, it was picked up by the Christian community as a as a hymn. So it's both. It has its roots in both uh, Judeo and Christian. And that means a lot to me. Part of the remembrance for me is that I have a Jewish heritage and that now as a professing Christian. It, it ties into that, too. So um, this is a set of variations on the Hebrew hymn, um, which is entitled Yigdal in the, in the Jewish tradition. And then it's called The God of Abraham Praise in the Christian.
0: Very, very cool. And I, I like how that all ties in with, with the theme. I think that's really outstanding. What are some of the works you're both most looking forward to presenting? I I know we were talking off air, and and, uh, you've got one of my absolute favorite works in the program, that is the Andante from the Rachmaninoff Cello Sonata.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the Rachmaninoff Cello Sonata is probably the, if I had to pick one piece, my absolutely favorite piece to play. And especially the um, slow movement, I think it's just so stunningly beautiful and so emotional. And uh, so we can't uh, wait to share this with the audience. Um, Other also really uh, traditional pieces include uh, Bach's Gamm Sonata um, in D major and um, Joaquin Nin's Spanish Suite. I used to play a long time as a guitarist um, and was familiar with the version for cello and guitar. And I discovered, that uh, this suite also exists in a version for cello and piano. And I think it's really exciting. It describes the Spanish landscapes in uh, various dances. And it's a really also atmospheric piece, a very exciting piece. Actually, that will be a piece we conclude the program with.
0: That's going to be awesome. I know, uh, you know, I think back to my time when I was a faculty member uh, and, and did a couple of FACTS recitals. I just love the collaboration that really comes together between different departments and different musicians. And as you were alluding to, uh, the, you know, the, the enjoyment you get out of performing with each other. So I love that you're able to present some really outstanding works. How unique and fulfilling is it to have an institution like UCO that has faculty members perform on these recitals to raise scholarship funds for the students of the UCO School of Music?
1: I think uh, it's a very, very special to have a real series where faculty is uh, encouraged to collaborate. And um, we are all really excited, actually. We have to apply early to get one of these slots. And what makes it extra special is that all the proceeds, as you already mentioned, uh, are benefiting um, our own students. And I want to share with the audience that we have in various uh cases even use these funds to help students in real needs which occurred spontaneously, like emergencies, so every single ticket the audience buys is actually directly benefiting one of our students, and that makes it extra special for us to play for these concerts.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I know I had a a handful of students in my time there that definitely were were able to take advantage of the funds that that are provided by the Faculty Artist Concert Series recitals. You both are familiar faces on the stage for fax recitals. I know as musicians and creative types, there's always motivation and or curiosity flowing through your minds. So how challenging is it to put on a program like this, especially a program with three premieres?
3: Well, I'm always just astounded by the by my colleagues and the level of talent and what they bring to their craft. And to bring new works into the mix is always welcome especially in our day when well these days we're actually I think giving a lot of um, overdue time and attention to underrepresented people and not just those who are underrepresented but just people who need to be heard and so this is an opportunity I think for um, us to feature some of those pieces along with um, some of the traditionally um, loved and, and treasured Masterworks. Of course.
1: I mean, for me, it's always really special to play for my own community. If you go off somewhere to play, it's, uh, of course, always special. Each concert for me is special, but to come back home and uh, see the people you know in the audience, your friends, your colleagues, your students, makes it always really a very special occasion. And uh, talking about uh, some of the works we are going to play. It's really very wonderful this uh, Sunday to be able to present uh, three local composers. Like, uh, of course, uh, uh, Dr. Forward already talked about his piece and then the piece by Kit Wakely. It's called Asa, which was uh, actually part of his uh, Grammy-winning CD. So I'm really excited to play this piece again. And then uh, the piece by uh, Dr. Zach Daniels, uh, The Lullaby for His Son. And he will actually also speak uh, about his piece nice. and the concert on Sunday. So um, this is really like, a, how do you say in sports, a home run?
0: <laughs> You're knocking it out of the park. Or a home run, yes. I think that's, that's more, as a Chicago Cubs fan, we'll say home run. But. <laughs> uh,
3: and I love the venue of the Jazz Lab, too, because it's, it's a cross between a concert hall and a living room um, <laughs> where you can have the fine instruments, to perform on a stage, but tables, snacks, drinks, if, you, if that's what you like to have as well, and uh, just be in each other's company and share and not uh, have that distance between performer and audience.
0: I think you, you, the way you guys were just describing it, the first word that kind of came to my mind was community, and I, I think that's one of the things I always enjoyed about the Jazz Lab and the Facts recitals because you see a lot of the same people that come to these concerts because, A, they, they know it's of high quality, and, B, they know how it can support the, the students of the University of Central Oklahoma School of Music. So, yeah, I think it's just all about community. Like you said, it's just fun to play for the people you see on a daily basis and, and get to share your gifts with those friends and family members. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, one very special and unique feature of these concerts uh, are that uh, local community members actually also sponsor these concerts. And um, for this particular event, uh, the sponsors um, are uh, Dr. Margaret Bridge and Dr. Mrs. Westmoland. So uh, special thanks uh, to these uh, beautiful individuals for their continuous uh, support. And um, so each concert in this series has also a very particular sponsor. And again, all these proceeds uh, benefit 100% uh, our students uh, and student scholarship.
0: What do you hope the audience takes away from this performance?
1: You know, for me, uh, the main reason for me to perform is I want to give the audience beauty to take home. I think uh, our current times are really challenging, very stressful. And um, I would like that each person goes home thinking, well, I took a piece of beauty with me. That's my main mission. Because as a musician, I very often think, what can I actually do to improve the world? And, um, And I wish I could do more to improve things. But I really believe, I have to quote um, one of my favorite composers, David Maslanka, I really believe that music has a healing effect. And my wish is that our concert will give people peace.
3: Yeah, As Tess was saying, I think that uh, we want to share beauty. Um, I want to share as many beautiful sounds. There are so many different contrasts. I'm thinking of one piece that's called "Mist Waves, where... The stillness is just something I've quite myself never experienced before in a piece. And then there are other ones which have just all kinds of vitality and energy. Um, So just the contrast, I would love for people to come away. And perhaps if they uh, aren't drawn to one type of expression, mode of expression, they would be drawn to something that really touches their heart. Absolutely.
0: There's a lot of beauty in this world. We just don't always take the time to seek it out and then appreciate it when it's put in front of us. And I think you guys are presenting just a truly beautiful program that uh, hopefully, yes, people walk away from with a little bit more peace and a little bit more grace in their hearts as they go out into the world, especially this time of year when it's cold and it's easy to want to be cranky (laughs) all the time. We're dealing with it right now. So I definitely can appreciate that. Is there anything you guys would like to leave our classical KUCO listeners with?
1: Please join our concert (laughs) this Sunday, 5 o'clock. We would love to see you there. And uh, if anybody would like to talk to us afterwards, we always love to actually meet our audience. Many we know, but uh, there are always uh, new faces, which we are always really excited to welcome as well. So, yeah, thank you so much for your time, Paul. It's fantastic to be back here. And you guys are so supportive of everyone in our community, so thank you so much. Well,
4: and it
0: seems like you guys have really put a lot of thought into the program and what selections you want to do, and even just in which the order that they appear. I think there's uh, some really good uh, choice in programming there, and, and again, you know, I think if anybody has the opportunity to come speak with the two of you after the recital, They should absolutely jump at this. It's always an enjoyable time getting able to sit and talk with you. You're both wonderful musicians and and better people on top of that. So we certainly appreciate any opportunity. We get to sit down and talk with the both of you. And as always, we appreciate you coming down and joining us today on Spotlight.
1: Thank you so much, Paul.
0: Great to be here. Thank you. Great to be here. (laughs) I'd like to thank my other guests, Dr. Sergio Montero with the Wanda L. Bass School of Music at Oklahoma City University and Dylan Maddox with the Oklahoma Baroque Orchestra for joining me today on Spotlight. As always, thank you for supporting Classical KUCO in making wonderful conversations like these possible. KUCO is committed to bringing you the best in local performing arts. Until next time, enjoy the arts.